That was Your Time Has Come by Audio Slave, and this is the Broadly Specific Podcast with Matt Sinkograni. I am your host, Matt. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode two. For those who listened to episode one already, uh, I do appreciate it. Thank you for uh, the feedback that you provided as well. Uh, if you have not given episode one a listen, I would appreciate if you do. Uh, it really uh, is the introduction to this podcast. As far as uh, just some things to kind of address first and foremost, I got my yellow pad of notes in front of me. Uh, still hoping to avoid a lot of persistent rapping at the basement door from my two young girls. And something I kind of started doing in the last podcast, at the get-go, I was not going to use names. Uh, and as I got into it, just kind of how it evolved to the natural progression, as I said, I, I really want to make it as one uncut, even flowing, just show uh, or podcast, uh, however you want to refer to it. So as that was going through my mind, uh, I did start using names of uh, my wife, Veronica, and, and then my daughters, Isabella and Magdalena. Uh, so I do want to continue that. I think that um, it will help you as my listeners just kind of follow along with the, the stories better. And then as far as I go, you know, these are... Uh, personal stories and personal sharings and things that I'm sharing with you. And, um, you know, if I'm being kind of vague about the names, then that's not really going to, you know, kind of help us build a relationship. So uh, I really want to make sure that uh, we're doing that. Uh, so we will go over, uh, uh, as we did last time, going to definitely talk about some music, uh, have a little talk about Chris Cornell today. Uh, as far as sports go, uh, we're going to be talking about Jim Valvano and his, uh, just impact on the sports world and and not only that but also cancer research and um, just all the great things that his uh, organization the V Foundation has done and then in our cooking section we're going to be talking about baking cookies because it is the holiday season and that is what's happening I also have a little bit of an audio treat for you at the end of the podcast but uh, we'll get into that a little bit later so first and foremost uh, we'll get right into music so what I played for you was a song by a band called Audio Slave called Your Time Has Come uh, Audio Slave was kind of a band that kind of became a uh, almost an all-star band you have the musicians in it are actually members of what was Rage Against the Machine. And then the lead singer is Chris Cornell. Uh, Chris Cornell tragically passed away last year, last May, actually. And I I always had kind of an interesting relationship with his music. Uh, and, and that's what I kind of want to get into. So as I mentioned last episode, I am a tremendous Pearl Jam fan. And I'm kind of at the younger end of... Pearl Jam fans, uh, as far as those who kind of grew up with the music and everything. I, I found the music at a, a very young age, and uh, it really spoke to me. It really did something for me. So knowing that, it's, it was a struggle for me to kind of get into other bands from that era um, that were kind of similarly grouped with Pearl Jam for whatever reason. Uh, one of those bands that's typically grouped with Pearl Jam is uh, a band called Soundgarden. The lead singer for Soundgarden was Chris Cornell. So I always knew who Chris Cornell was. If you, 
you know, listen to any kind of 90s music, uh, if you put on any kind of mix on, um, you know, any Pandora or anything like that, Soundgarden's going to come up. Uh, Pearl Jam's going to come up. Um, Chris Cornell is inevitably going to come up. Why is he significant? So I'll kind of talk a little bit about what led me to his music a little bit more. And really, unfortunately, it was after he passed where I think I fully grasped a full understanding of what he meant as a musician. But let me backtrack a little bit. So the first time that I saw Chris Cornell live in concert, and we talked about concerts last time and just kind of what they do for me. The first time I saw him was, I believe, in 2007. I was uh, dating this woman who knew that I really enjoyed that type of music. So she goes to me, she goes, you know what, I have a surprise, we're going to a concert. Okay, no problem, sounds good. Uh, so we get to the show, it's at it's at the Congress Theater, which is uh, a gorgeous venue. Uh, well, it was a gorgeous venue. Uh, when we went, it was run down and dilapidated. So we, uh, we, go to the, we go to this venue, this Congress Theater, it's in just a neighborhood. It's like house, 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 Congress Theater, house, house, house. So it's, it's, it's literally just in this neighborhood. And you walk inside and you look up and there is just this beautiful run-down rotunda that is above you as you, you enter the Congress Theater. So I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. And clearly, this building was something at some point. It was significant. I'm sure that it was uh, important for the neighborhood as far as seeing you know, different types of acts and shows and performances and stuff. Uh, so we go in and, and we start, uh, the concert starts shortly thereafter. And it was a, a raining night and I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll let you know how I remember that. But Chris takes the stage and it was his, it was, he was solo at the time. Um, his band, Audio Slave, it kind of disbanded and he was solo. And so he's, he starts performing and he starts performing all these songs, these Soundgarden songs, and these audio sleeve songs and solo songs. And, it, you know, it kind of, that I think that's when it finally hit me like, wow, this guy is, he's really important. He's, he's touching a lot of different, really good music. And that voice, the voice that you hear that comes out of him uh, just kind of blows you away. And that's why the audio clip that I played at the beginning was a little bit lengthier than uh, what we've heard in the past and probably what I'll ideally do because I really wanted you to hear his voice and just, you know, kind of what that sounds like and kind of get an understanding of, of what I was hearing on that day. So I remember that at one point he's sitting on stage, he's talking and, uh, and not so many words he says, it's, it's raining on me. Uh, this Congress theater was so dilapidated um, that over the stage, there were evidently cracks or holes in the roof that allowed rain to fall on Chris as he was performing. Now, I don't know how safe any of that was, but continued the show. He put on a fantastic show, and I remember leaving that show and thinking, wow, that was something really cool. That was a really awesome thing. So... Fast forward now to 2011, and Pearl Jam has their 25th anniversary show. And there were rumors all around that Chris Cornell was going to show up. Significance of that is that Chris Cornell started a band called Temple of the Dog. And I shouldn't call it a band. It was a project. Um, and that's a very tragic story, how that came to be. So Chris was living with this 
man named Andy Wood. Andy Wood was a lead singer for a band called Mother Love Bone, and then he tragically had a drug overdose and passed away. Two of the band members in Mother Love Bone uh, were Stone Gossard and Jeff Amon, who are current members of Pearl Jam. So Chris Cornell, just with with how much music really meant to him, uh, Chris Cornell says, you know what, I I got these songs coming out, they're popping in my head, and like I got I want to get them out. You know, hey Jeff, hey Stone, do you want to do this little project with me? All right, yeah, you know, sounds good, music therapy, that type of thing. Uh, I think we all can kind of relate to that, the way that, you know, music kind of heals. You know, I've never been someone that's been able to produce music myself. I mean, unless you unless you count playing trumpet in eighth grade jazz band, but I can only imagine what creating that was able to do for them and to kind of heal. So at that point, you have three members. Uh, Chris says, you know what, I'll bring in my drummer from Soundgarden, and we need a guitarist. Well, there's been this guitarist named Mike McCready who's been kind of hanging around, and, you know, let's bring him out of this. He, he really has some talent. So they end up getting together, and they, end, they just start kind of recording this album, and... Chris Cornell writes some songs, and Stone Gossard writes some songs, and uh, Jeff Ament was credited with some some music on there, and this is how they kind of get through that passing. So, one of the songs that I'm going to have at the end of this podcast is a song from that album called Say Hello to Heaven, um, and it's a number two, Say Hello to, number two, Heaven, uh, which is a very, very 90s thing. Uh, everyone used to do that back then. Look it up, kids. It, it actually happened. Uh, but it's a very touching song about uh, the loss of Andy. So the importance of that as relating to Pearl Jam was that this album was made with everyone that's currently in Pearl Jam. The drummer, Matt Cameron, ended up being in Pearl Jam, currently is now. Mike McCree ended up being in Pearl Jam. Stone Gosser, Jeff Ament were in Pearl Jam. Um, and then even the Pearl Jam lead singer, Eddie Vedder, jumps in on a track called Hunger Strike, and you hear his voice. So you you have just kind of this happy coincidence. So 2011 rolls around, you have Pearl Jam 20, uh, just a celebration of, of Pearl Jam, but they did a really nice job of kind of incorporating all these 90s bands and grunge-sounding bands into a two-day festival. So we go, and up on the stage, Chris Cornell takes the stage, and... The presence this guy has is that he's able to, the, the lead singer of Pearl Jam, Eddie Vedder, immediately moves to the back and he gives basically what's been his band for 20 years um, and gives him to Chris. And Chris performs a four song set with, with Pearl Jam that night, including Say Hello to Heaven. And I saw, <laughs> I saw people just incredibly moved and excited that night. And then the following night, the same thing happened with a couple different songs, but that always stuck with me was the power that he had and the importance that everyone had of his role within music. So kind of fast forward again to 2016, and there's this concert venue really close to my house called Ravinia, and uh, Chris Cornell was coming to play, and he was doing a, an acoustic set, and I wanted to go to the show. My wife and I, Veronica, had never been to Ravinia. Um, and it's kind of a park setting. You go, you sit in the park, there's speakers, and you listen. There's a pavilion that the performer performs in. You go and have tickets to the pavilion. But for the most part, most people 
aren't able to see the performer. So go with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Maria and Nick, and my wife, and we go, and and I was excited for it because I had seen Chris. I saw what he was able to do, and it was mainly, it was just him on the stage playing his guitar, and he performed songs, and he performed this one song that has still stuck with me, and it's a solo song, a solo a song from a solo album, and it was on a movie soundtrack to the song Singles, and it's called Seasons. And you're going to hear that this song Seasons at the end of the podcast. And that guitar riff that is in the song is just something that always sticks with me. And when Chris passed away last year, that was like the song that got stuck in my head was the song Seasons, and it's just this beautiful guitar riff. He just plays it over and over throughout the song, and you know it's something that even makes me want to go and pick up a guitar and try to learn it, just so I can attempt to reproduce that and, and just hear that over and over and over again. But it's something truly beautiful uh, for me anyway. So kind of all that, and I, I could go into way more detail about you know, Chris and his music. But when he passed away last year, he passed away just a couple weeks after my grandma died. And I hadn't really had anyone close to me that died. Um, and my grandma passed away from cancer and you know, other afflictions that she had with, with older age. And when Chris died, I found myself really finding his music and seeking solace in that. And relating it to my grandmother's passing, um, which all sounds really, really sad, but it's not. And I think that's just kind of one of the powers of music that music has with you is that uh, it could take something and it can heal. And, you know, just kind of how I was talking about that Temple of the Dog album with those those memories of Mother Love Bone where, where Andy Wood had passed away and how they were able to go into that, that studio and they were able to record. You know, it's kind of the same thing that I was able to work through just a lot of, a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings by having this music in my life. And that's something I'll always remember and I'll always appreciate. So... If you if you're not familiar with with Chris's work, I definitely recommend checking him out, uh, giving him a listen. Uh, it's definitely rock and roll type of music, but the lyrics are really good uh, in a lot of his songs. And it's I hope that you kind of think of this when you're listening to his music, and you kind of think of of just you know what that can do for somebody. So kind of moving on from that. Uh, I am a person that, uh, I, my wife would say that I have OCD. Um, I would probably say that I have OCD. Uh, and I'm a person that has a lot of favorites. So what I mean for that is, so I, and I, I say the OCD thing. So I feel like it kind of ties to that. So when you have OCD, you like things to be organized and there has to be a reason for it. And in my life, I have to have favorites, and I have rankings, and I have things that are important to me. And for instance, uh, I have a favorite flower. Uh, it is a Gerber daisy. Uh, that is my all-time favorite flower. If you ever want to give me a, a potted plant, in a, a Gerber daisy would be fantastic. Um, so, so I also have an all-time favorite speech. So my all-time favorite speech is Jim Valvano's Espy speech. Now, it doesn't really have anything to do with sports. It has to do with life. And that's why I love the speech and it's so beautiful. So 
I'll be sharing this on the broadly specific Facebook page as well. So everyone will be able to give a listen to it. If you haven't heard it, it's 10 minutes. It's, it's just, it's awesome. So just kind of a little bit of background. So who this, who this guy is, he was a coach at NC state in 1983 and he led this underdog team to an NCAA championship. So that's, you know, kind of a big deal. If you don't know sports, it was a, it's a big deal. But a decade later, he's no longer working as a coach. He's been working as a, a TV analyst and he finds out he has cancer. And so this is 1993 and he does not have long to live. It's not a good prognosis. Um, he, he knows he's going to die. He's very sick. He, they're trying to do what they can, as they meaning the doctors, family, friends, to really help him, but he's extremely sick. So he's going to receive this this award. It's a sports award, and it's, it's not really... Back then, the SBs were very new, but it wasn't anything... Uh, you know, it, w- it wasn't looked at with the fervor that it is today. And that all changed because of Jim Valvano. So Jim is helped to the stage and he gives this speech. And within this speech, the thing that I've always taken away from it is spend each day, laugh, think, and have your emotions move to tears. So what is what does that mean? Go sit in a corner and cry? Are you going to, like, what are you going to think about? So I, I've always taken that phrase personally to me, and I, I try to I try to do it every day. Uh, I'm definitely a jovial person, and I love to laugh. I, I love to make jokes. Are they always good? They are not. Um, I'm a dad, so I tell dad jokes. Are those good? No, those are never good. What dad jokes is good. It's funny because you know people at work will just flat out call me on it. They're like, oh, there's Matt with a dad joke. Oh, thanks. You know, it's, it's something that makes me chuckle and... Ultimately, if I can laugh, then um, maybe maybe encourages someone else to laugh. But I know that that laughter is good for me. Spending time and thought each day. So to me, that has always meant you know thinking about something that's kind of deep. You know, maybe reading something. Reading is always good. I, now I'm a person that hasn't read a book in probably close to 20 years since I read a book. I was a amazing reader in middle school, high school, elementary school, and after high school, I just stopped. I just haven't read books. They haven't captivated me the same way. But I read a lot of articles and news and information. I really focus on trying to get just just more knowledge and expanding my knowledge base. So I try to read things that kind of provoke thought. And then I'll come home and I'll, I'll talk to Veronica and I'll say, you know what I was reading? I was reading this. What do you think about this? And she's like, I, I don't know. I don't know why you're talking to me about this. Or, or, or she'll chime in with a thought and she'll say, you know, I, I think this or I think that. And, you know, something else I really enjoy is, and in, in those who know me will attest to this, uh, I love to debate. Uh, I, some may see it as arguing. And maybe it is at times, but I love to debate and get other people's sides. And to me, that really provokes thought is, is you know, why does this person think this way? When I was much younger, I would, <laughs> would kind of say this person thinks this way because they're wrong or they're an idiot or, you know, whatever derogatory thought. And I think now that I'm a person in my 30s, approaching 40, that that I really try to focus on why does this person think this way? Where is this thought coming from? Um, what, do they, what is their background that kind of leads them to think this way? And I, I think with 
you know, the political climate in the country, I think it's, it's kind of easy to get away from that. But I think that politics the way it is, has really kind of allowed me to do that more and really you know, said, hey, you know, 50% of the country votes for this person. 50% of the country votes for this person to be president. You know, why do they think that these were good people? What what made them go that route? Like, why, why was this their person? So I guess I'm getting a little bit off track, but I'm, you know, those are things that I kind of think about and I enjoy discussing and I enjoy having that kind of part of my brain tickled, I guess. Yeah. So I try to do that. And then to have your emotions move to tears, you know, I personally, I think that music will do that the most for me. You know, I shouldn't say that anymore. Throughout my life, music has done that the most for me. Yeah, I would say now that I'm a father, that my kids do that the most for me. They they say things that just surprise you. They shock you. And you look at them and you're like, my God, how are you so amazing? How is that coming out of your little tiny mouth these thoughts and these ideas for, for example my my oldest daughter izzy is two and a half and as two and a half year olds do she will misbehave uh she does something and i think it was last week she she did something she i think she was a little bit aggressive with her sister her sister maggie is four months old veronica was breastfeeding Maggie, I believe, and Izzy was not happy that she wasn't getting the attention. She threw something or something happened, and she was sent on timeout to her bedroom. So she's in timeout, and I go in her room, and she's calmed down. It's been only a couple minutes. It's not, she wasn't in there very long, but she, she calms down, is she calms down fast. So start talking to her about what was right, what was wrong. And then I go, do you know what you have to do? And she's like, yeah, okay. She, she walks out of the room, and she walks up to Veronica, and she goes, sorry, mommy. And then she goes, sorry, Maggie, and she kisses Maggie on the forehead. I didn't say anything about that, but I mean, if that doesn't make you feel good as a parent that you're doing something right and, and get those, you know, kind of emotions moving, like even something like that can kind of move you to tears. And it's, I've kind of come to realize after, you know, 20, 25 years of, of this speech is that you don't have to cry it's not that's not what it's saying either you just kind of get that that feeling inside of you of you know oh my god this is what human is like this is what being a, a person is is like and that's really a cool thing so i think that that was ultimately the greatest takeaway that i had from jim valvano in his speech was to laugh to spend time in thought and to have your emotions move to have you know, some kind of a, just an emotional, deep emotional feeling that you're not going to get unless you try to access that. I think as a man saying that, that it means a lot. I think a lot of guys that I know will suppress feelings, not talk about it. I think that my group of friends and I, over the years, we've been really good about talking about those types of things. But I think with anyone that you're going to hold things in and you're going to suppress things and then eventually you just kind of like let it, you know, burst. You know, I, I think that talking about those types of things and, and feeling those types of things, that those are, those are good. That it doesn't make you weak, it makes you human. And one of the most beautiful things about us being human beings is that we get to have those thoughts and those feelings and those experiences. And it, it matters you know, just so much to our existence. So hopefully you will all spend some time in thought and laugh and have your emotions 
moved in some way. Those are things I've taken away from his speech. And I hope you give it a listen too. There's a lot of humor in it. He says a lot of really good things. And sadly, after Jim gave his speech on March 4th, 1993, uh, he did succumb to cancer. So he did set up the Jimmy V Fund um, and they have raised just hundreds of millions of dollars over the years for cancer research from what I've read, uh, they're a really good organization for donating monies to, and they do a lot of really great things for those who really need them for cancer. So like I said, give it a listen. I'll share it on the Facebook page and please definitely check out uh, the Jim Valvano SB speech. Um, so that was sports and uh, moving on to our cooking section. You know, it is just shy of Christmas. I don't know about you, but a tradition that I have in my family is baking Christmas cookies. Just kind of, you know, our history and everything. My grandma would make a million cookies. You know, I told you that she would give whole lasagnas out after Thanksgiving meals. So she would <laughs> bake a million and a half cookies and uh, she would just store them. They'd be in containers. She'd give them to everyone. Uh, I remember my brother and I would go over there and then we'd be delivering cookies to neighbors and she'd have cards and everything else. You know, just, just kind of think of your neighborly old lady that lives in the neighborhood. Um, which is why she's neighborly. That's really what she was. She was the epitome of, of what that is when you think about it. Passing that on to, um, you know, her daughters, my mom, my aunt. So my mom always took time to bake cookies with my brother and I, and it was a tradition that we always had. We would do it on like Christmas break or on a Saturday or something like that. And the really cool thing is that my mom has now passed that on to my girls. So every year we have cookie baking time. And we get together and we bake a million cookies. Uh, I think my mom has gotten that gene of let's bake a million cookies. Uh, but it's cool. I mean, there's there's you know worse problems to have than to bake too many cookies that you have to give out to too many people, you know? So one of the years that we're baking cookies, we had all this peanut butter cookie dough. So I personally love peanut butter, peanut butter cookies, just anything peanut butter is just delicious. So I love peanut butter cups and we're making these cookies. We're making the cookies with the Hershey kiss in the middle. You, you've seen them. They're at Halloween. Some people call them witches hats, but we were making them at Christmas. I guess we didn't weren't cool enough to make Halloween cookies. I, I don't know, but these were Christmas cookies. We have all this peanut butter dough and we realize that there's only so many Hershey Kisses and they've been utilized and there's there's no more dough. So my mom goes, you know, we have peanut butter cups here. Well, that sounds pretty good. Well, we're not going to eat them. Let's do something with the dough. Okay, what can we do? Can we chop them up? Yeah, that might be kind of weird. You know what? Let's try something. So we take the peanut butter dough and we encase a peanut butter cup with the dough. We go and we bake this cookie. It's basically a ball of peanut butter dough with a peanut butter cup inside of it. Bake it and it comes out and it actually came out and it looked like a cookie. It was, it's a decent sized cookie, but it was, it looked good. But it's kind of a big, plain looking cookie. And so you have the witch's hat peanut butter ones that I was talking about. And those have, you know, the, the kiss in the middle. So what do we do? So my mom had some chocolate chips. So she melts them down. And now we have this peanut butter cookie that now we're putting a dollop of chocolate on the top. And then 
what the hell? We've already put a, we've already just broken all the rules by putting a peanut butter cup inside of a peanut butter cookie, and we've added chocolate at the top. Might as well put some sprinkles on it. So that is what we did, and those are the cookies that we, I say we invented them because I've never seen anyone else make something like that. Uh, I'm sure it's incredibly unhealthy. It's, uh, it's a cookie that we invented. I'm, I'm going to claim it. I'm going to plant my flag, uh, this Cinquagrani flag, on the peanut butter cookie with the peanut butter cup on the inside of it. That was something that we took away from the baking cookies, and we made that every year. So now I take the time and make that with Izzy. Uh, so tomorrow will be peanut butter cookie making day, and we got to make them because Santa is coming, and Santa really wants good cookies. So we need to make sure that we have plenty of cookies for Santa. So... Uh, we already have a carrot for uh, the reindeer, but we need cookies for Santa. We'll be making cookies tomorrow, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a really cool thing to be able to sit with Izzy and to show her how to make this cookie. Uh, we did it last year together, but. I, she doesn't remember it, and she's two and a half now, and she's remembering things, which is just super cool. Um, but it's something that uh, we're going to be able to do together, daddy-daughter. And it's a way that I can kind of carry on that family tradition, which is really cool. You know, hopefully you have some kind of traditions that you do with your family for the holidays, whether you celebrate Kwanzaa or Hanukkah, the New Year, uh, or even Festivus, because I am just learning about Festivus, and, and I have so many questions, but... I guess that's a thing. No matter your holiday, hopefully you have some kind of a tradition or something that means something to you. I think with holidays that it's really cool to have those kind of traditions, those things that make you look forward to having those days come up on the calendar that you get to look forward to. Oh, we're baking cookies. Uh, now we're eating them, which... <laughs> By the way, um, because Christmas is just a, you know, I, obviously it's a celebration of Christ's birth. It's really a, a holiday for kids. I mean, we've, you know, you have Santa Claus coming and that's, so growing up, my m folks who would never do anything like this uh, allowed us to eat cookies on Christmas day. I carry that on with Izzy. And the first year I did it, it was two years ago. Izzy was about nine months old. She was eating solids and stuff, and I gave her a cookie, and my wife was not pleased uh, because she's nine months old and I'm giving her sweets. But last year, I gave her cookies for Christmas, and uh, she enjoyed them, and that's our other kind of tradition is that you get cookies for breakfast on Christmas. Uh, so, you know, something like that that brings a smile to my face that, you know, I think of. Uh, so hopefully you have something that you think of when, when you do the holidays, and, and uh, I hope that everyone has a great holiday. Thank you so much for listening to the Broadly Specific Podcast. I really do appreciate it. As I said, there's going to be a little bit of an audio treat after the conclusion of this. I am going to add the songs Say Hello to Heaven and Seasons to the end. So if you've never heard them, you can give them a listen if you're curious as to what kind of sparked the conversation earlier in this episode. Uh, Say Hello to Heaven was the Temple of the Dog song, and and Seasons was the Chris Cornell song. Uh, Temple of the Dog was a 91 album, and Seasons was off a 92 singles soundtrack. Give them a listen, see if you like them at all. If uh, you're doing something like at the gym or working out, well, first off, I don't know why you're listening to me at the gym, but eh, whatever. But these songs are probably not going to push you to, you know, go do that extra rep. Uh, maybe listen to them in the car or something to that effect, but definitely give them a listen. They're worth worth the check out. Please watch the Jim Valvano SB speech as well. Like I said, it's not about sports. It's really about life. 
Uh, I'm going to post as well the uh, cookie, the recipe that I shared with you for the uh, Cinco Grani peanut butter cup cookie. Hopefully you try them, you make them, you enjoy them. Do I dare say? And uh, please, like I said, like me on Facebook, like the page on Facebook to continue to listen. I am on iTunes as well. Hopefully you're listening through iTunes and reviews can be done on iTunes. So thank you so, so very much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And until next time, uh, take care and uh, have a great day.
I'm new.